Good morning, everyone. I invite you, please, to open your Bibles uh, to the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke, the third chapter of the Gospel of Luke. The birth and the childhood uh, of Jesus are behind us at least uh, from Scripture. Uh, We uh, celebrated Christmas, wonderful time. I enjoyed very much uh, last Sunday preaching on the visit of the Magi, of the the wise men. Uh, But that period of Jesus' life is over, uh, as you could read today, or as you could hear and read uh, the Gospel today. What we find ourselves is we find ourselves at the River Jordan. It's probably around, somewhere around 30 A.D., and Jesus is probably somewhere around 30 years of age, somewhere in that, in that uh, period of time. He is an adult. He is a grown man. He is fully taken on the mantle of humanity and being one of us. We go to the River Jordan. And what we find there, we find, if you can picture in your minds, we find a man dressed very unlike even his own time. We find a man dressed in very humble apparels, with camel's hair for a vestment, girdle, around his, uh, his waist. A man probably, I would say, at least in my mind's eye, very unkept. This is a man of the wilderness. This is a man who spent a great deal of time out in the wilderness seeking the Lord. And the Lord now has asked this man that we know John the Baptist... He has asked him to start a ministry uh, there in the Jordan. The ministry of John the Baptist is is three things. Uh, First of all, the first aspect of the ministry of John the Baptist was to call the people to repentance. That That was primary in his heart, to call the people to repentance. And the word repentance really means to turn around. Repentance doesn't mean, oh, I'm just sorry, but I'm not going to do anything about what I do. I'm sorry I'm doing this, Lord, but you made me this way. I'm sorry that, that you don't like it, but I can't seem to help myself. This is a conversation I had when I was in Miami recently. With, uh, with some friends who, uh, upon knowing that I was a priest, uh, they immediately wanted to talk to me about the Lord. And, of course, uh, their comment is, I can't do anything about my sin. I'm too weak. And so we had a wonderful time. <laughs> we had a, a great time sharing the gospel, answering their questions. Whatever they're going to do of it, it's not in my hands. It's in their hands. 
My, my job was to be honest, sincere, loving, but still speak the truth. And um, the, the first thing about John the Baptist is that he came to call people to repentance. To call them away from their sins. That moment of repentance is, I think it's a work of the Holy Spirit in many respects. It is that moment of conviction in our lives. You know, we can go all our lives or we can go a long period of time in our lives knowing that we're doing wrong, but we don't really, it, the weight of it doesn't quite get us. You know what I'm talking about? We can go for a long time. We know it's not right. We, we know it's not right. That's why we hide. We don't do it in public. And we certainly don't publicize those things in our lives that we know are not right. But not until the conviction of the Spirit of God comes upon us are we willing to say, Oh Lord, I am all wrong. I am so wrong, I have to turn around. What I'm doing is not right. It is offensive to you. It is offensive to me. It is offensive to the world. It is offensive in every respect. And I am not being truly a man of God or a woman of God. Until that conviction hits your heart, you're just going to play around with sin. It's going to be always lurking. And, and you're not on your guard. And you don't have your strength up. And you don't have the armor of God on. Because it's not big enough a deal yet. When the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes upon people, that's where you see people flocking to John the Baptist, ready to confess their sins right there in public in front of everyone. But you also have some of the religious leaders who are not willing to repent and, and go and be baptized. They have their religiosity to depend on. So the first thing that John the Baptist ministry is, is to call people, including us today, to call people to repentance of our sins, to the recognition that we are sinners, that we are doing things that do not glorify God, do not bless Him, do not praise Him, do not exalt Him. And to call us to that conviction where we know we have to turn around, we have to change those things in our lives. The second thing that John the Baptist ministry does is he's come to announce the coming of the kingdom of God. He's coming to announce the coming of the king. And if you remember some of his words, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. His, the second part of his ministry is to, to focus people on him who was to come. And then number three, the third part of John the Baptist's ministry was baptism. He was baptizing people there in the River Jordan. Baptism was the symbolic outward way of expressing what the repentance and forgiveness of our sins was inside. Baptism is the external manifestation of the cleansing that comes to us. In soul, spirit, and body. So John the Baptist called people to repentance, to focus on the Lord that was to come, and third, to walk into the waters of baptism 
as a sign of that repentance and of that cleansing, cleansing that comes upon them. Now, baptism, the uh, significance of baptism needs to be very clear to us. We just celebrated baptism last week. And the first thing about baptism is you need to understand that baptism is initiatory. It is kind of the first step in life. It's, it's the moment that a child breathes in for the first time and cries out. It's the initiation into life. It's initiatory for a relationship with God. And one of the things I've learned recently, really, or, or, or been reminded of, or clarified recently, is that when Moses uh, appeared and saw the, the burning bush, God said to Moses to go and get his people free from the slavery of Egypt. And that the sign to him that God had indeed spoken and that he was God's messenger is that he would lead them from slavery to that mountain, to Mount Sinai, where he would enter into covenant with them. But if you notice, they come from slavery, and one of the first things that happens in their lives is that they have to go through the Red Sea. That passing through water, even though they didn't actually go into the water, that idea that they went through the waters to be able to enter into a relationship with God in the mountain was so important that Jewish people saw it as key in their religious life. And whenever a non-Jew was proselytized and, and was baptized, the lessons that were read over them were the lessons of the crossing of the Red Sea. St. Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians about the Jews being baptized in the crossing of the Red Sea. So what you have in the book of Exodus is really an example of life. You have been brought out of slavery, being brought through the waters of baptism, being brought into a relationship with God where we become part of the covenant at the Mount Sinai. And then Moses goes up the mountain, he receives the Ten Commandments, and God says, I want you to go into the promised land. And Moses says, no, we're not going, not without you. We're not going alone. You have to come with us. And that is the moment in which God tells him how to build the tabernacle. Because God would go with them through the desert experience. He would go through them and every time he would meet with them, he would meet with them in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. But one of the things about the tabernacle is that one of the first things you encounter as you went through the tabernacle was the brazen leaven, leaven of water. Because water was the initiatory, kind of the first thing you met when you went into the tabernacle. When the tabernacle eventually becomes the temple in Jerusalem, 
Also, the brazen leaven is there at the very entrance of the temple after you go through the court of the men. Water somehow was initiatory before we ever entered into the presence of God. And that is why, if you haven't noticed, baptismal fountains are at the entrance of every church. The baptismal fountain is generally placed near the door, either the main door or the door that most people come through. Because baptism and the waters of baptism is the initiation into a relationship with God. So one of the things about water baptism is that it is initiatory. Secondly, it is preparatory. It prepares us to meet the Lord. It cleanses our sins. God forgives our sins and prepares us through repentance to receive the Lord into our lives. And number three, baptism is about cleansing. It cleanses us. There is cleanseness. There is forgiveness. There is the taking away of sins that happens in baptism. Especially when done in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It implies repentance and it implies receiving Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior and preparing our heart to receive Him. All of those things are part of of baptism. Baptism, the word actually means submerge. That's what baptizo is in the Greek, is to be brought under the water. Because when you come out of the water, having repented, having prepared your heart for the Lord, and having been cleansed from sin, what comes out of the water should be a completely different person, a new creation. Redeemed, cleansed, forgiven. St. Paul uses the same symbolic way of speaking about dying with Christ and being buried with Him under the earth and then resurrecting with Him into a new life. The same idea. But Jesus at times uses the word baptism in a different way. For example, when John and James came to him with their mother and they were asking one to sit at the right hand and the other one to sit at the left, Jesus said, can you be baptized with the same baptism that I will be baptized? Certainly he wasn't talking about water. He was talking about submerging yourself in the sacrifice of the cross. Are you willing to, be, to die with me, to take your cross and come with me? And of course, John and James not knowing say, yes, we are. And he says, indeed, you will. You will indeed drink of the cup that I will drink and be baptized with the baptism that I will be baptized. And he wasn't talking about water baptism at that point. But he was talking about immersing ourselves into his sacrifice, into the cross of the Lord with him. Now... That is, that is water baptism. But then John says these words, which to me are very special. John says, because people are confused. They want to know whether he is the Messiah. I mean, he's different. 
He's preaching differently. He is preaching like a prophet of old. He is preaching as one sent by God. He's saying things that the religious leaders are not saying. And they're wondering if indeed he's the Messiah. And when they ask him, John says this. I indeed baptize you with water. But one mightier than I, whose sandals, one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, at the very least, at the very least, there are two baptisms there. Right? At the very least, there's water baptism and there's Holy Spirit baptism. At the most, there are three baptisms there. If you're talking about, He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. When we refer or what we believe Jesus is referring to when He speaks of fire... Is not the fire of cleansing of the Holy Spirit or tongues of fire or anything like that, but rather judgment. Because the very next verses are the wind, his winnowing fork is in his hands, and he will throw the, the grain and the chaff up in the air, and the grain will fall, and the chaff will separate, and you'll end up with the grain over here and the chaff over there, and the chaff will be burned. So he's not talking about just cleansing us. He's talking about Jesus is going to bring judgment upon those who reject the kingdom of God, who reject God's king, who rejects the Messiah. Jesus becomes the fulcrum. He becomes the center. Those that accept him are alive and those that reject him are dead. There is judgment on those who reject and there is acceptance of those who accept them and come to Him in faith. Repenting of sins, being baptized, receiving Him and being baptized with water. This fire is the fire of judgment. And Jesus said, I have not come to bring peace. I'm sorry, I am the Prince of Peace, but unfortunately some people will not accept me as the Prince of Peace. He said, I will bring a sword upon the earth. Whether we like it or not, there is division that Jesus brought. So, at the very least, you have three different baptisms. At the, or at the least, you have two baptisms. Baptism with water and baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things I see in these verses, and I hope you will look at it, that John the Baptist is clearly clearly separating who he is from who Jesus is. Amen? I mean, John has no qualms of who he is. He's just the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He's very clear that he's the servant and the one that is to come is mightier and greater than him. He's not just a servant. He's below a servant. He cannot even do what a servant does. He is so unworthy, he cannot even un undo his shoes. That's what John the Baptist knows about himself. He may be the preacher of the day. He may be followed by everybody around Judea. Those riverbanks might be filled with people to listen to him. 
but he knows who he is. He's just the voice of God for the wilderness of that time. So that's the first thing I want you to see here. A good servant of the Lord knows who he is. And the job of a servant is always to point to Jesus. That's the first thing. Secondly, I want you to see that John makes clear that there is a separation between his work and Jesus' work. I baptize with water, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. There is a separation between water baptism and Holy Spirit baptism. They're not the same. They may happen at the same time. We find in scripture that many times people were baptized and immediately the Holy Spirit came upon them and they received the Holy Spirit. But there are times in scripture and in experience where some people are baptized in the baptism of water and then later they get baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I would say to you, go to Acts 19 and you will find a group of people that were baptized in the baptism of John and Paul had to rebaptize them in order for them to receive Jesus and to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So it may happen at the same time. Baptism may happen first. Holy Spirit may come later in life. Or Holy Spirit can come first. As we read today in the story of Cornelius, the centurion. He receives Jesus. Holy Spirit comes upon him. And Peter says, now I get it. God shows no partiality. But whoever fears the Lord and does what is right, he accepts. Therefore, who can stop me from baptizing these men? And then baptism with water comes second, after Holy Spirit baptism. So folks, and as I read at the beginning of the service... The Holy Spirit is, is, is similar to the wind. You feel it, but you don't know where it came from or where it's going. But you know that the Holy Spirit is there. Amen? So, so John's words separate himself from Jesus. His work from Jesus' work. Water baptism is separated from Holy Spirit baptism. And I want to say to you... That as great as John the Baptist was, the best of ministers, the best of ministries can never equate themselves with the person and the ministry of Jesus Christ. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you wear. No one can equate themselves with the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. John says it clearly, one mightier than I is coming. One mightier than I is coming. Listen, men, me, and when I say men, I don't mean male, but mankind. Men can celebrate the sacraments. I can celebrate the sacraments, all of the sacraments. But unless God shows up, I can't do what the sacraments, the internal part of the sacraments, I cannot do that. I don't care how great an individual you are or how learned you are. Only God brings the efficacy of the sacraments. Only God. The way I've learned to explain the sacraments 
is that we as human beings, we do what we can, but God has to do what we cannot. And where we can and He can, where it meets, that's sacramental. That's a sacrament. So I can bring people to baptism. I can pour water over them. I can pray for them. I can anoint them. But I cannot make them children of the living God. Only God is the one that the efficacy of the sacrament is because of the presence of the living God. Where He meets us in those moments is what makes it efficacious and graceful to us. I will, or Reverend Antoinette will go in a moment and we will celebrate the Eucharist. All she can do is say the prayers. All she can do is lay hands. All she can do is pour herself into it in the name of Jesus. But Jesus is the one that makes bread and wine become flesh and blood. And the efficacy of the sacrament is because God meets us at those moments. And His grace is what flows through the sacraments into those who receive the sacraments. So John may be the greatest individual in the world, but he's not Jesus. And I may be the handsomest, but I ain't Jesus. <laughs> Listen. Listen to me. Listen to me. Your names may be in a baptismal register somewhere. But that's not as important as making sure that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Some people get baptized out of tradition, get baptized out of many reasons. God knows the reason and the why and the heart of every individual. I'd rather be written in the book of life than any baptismal church register. Becoming a member of this church is easy. I mean, you just have to jump a few hoops. You come to a class, you sign a, a, a document that says that that is your covenant, that you agree with us and that you will pray for all of us and all of the things that are in the covenant. But only Jesus Christ can make you member of His one holy Catholic and, and apostolic church and the universal eternal church where only He is the Prince of Peace and the King of Kings and the High Priest. We need to belong to His church, not just the local church. So we have baptism with water. That does all these wonderful things. And we have baptism with fire. And we, we have baptism of the Holy Spirit. Clearly, please, clearly, there are two different things. Baptism with water is something John can do. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is only something Jesus can do. So what do we understand for baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I'm not talking about charismatic or Pentecostal or anything. I'm talking Word of God. There is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is it? How do we understand it? First of all, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the desire of the living God to come and live inside of us. Not beside us, not over us, not to the right, not to the left, but right inside of us. 
God wants to live in all of us. In the Old Testament, there are numerous prophecies that the Lord will pour His Spirit upon His people. That it is God's desire to renew us from the inside out. I would point to you simply to Joel. In the last days, my, the old men and, and the old women will dream dreams and the young people will prophesy. And all of those things that Joel speaks about. I can talk to you about Ezekiel where God constantly speaks that he will pour his spirit upon his people. And create a new heart in all of us. All through the Old Testament we have numerous prophecies that it is God's desire to dwell within to pour His own Holy Spirit into us. What does it mean to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? It means that it is the fulfillment of Jesus' words. You remember John 14. And if you don't remember, I encourage you to go look for it. Jesus said in John 14, after He says, I'm leaving. He says, I will not leave you orphans. I will pray to the Father. And he will send the helper, another helper, another counselor, another advocate. And he will be with you forever. He says the spirit that the world doesn't know. But you know him because he is with you and will be in you. He is with you. He's talking to apostles He's talking to his disciples who were baptized with water long before then. And now he's speaking about something new that would come into their lives. The Holy Spirit is with you. And I believe the Holy Spirit is with us even before we believe. I believe we believe because the Holy Spirit brings faith into our lives. I believe the Holy Spirit is with us especially the moment we turn our life over to Jesus Christ. And yet, there's still a baptism of the Holy Spirit yet to take place. That's what I read in Scripture. Baptism with water. The Holy Spirit is with you, but He will be in you forever. I find in the Old Testament what I call trickles of the Holy Spirit upon different people. In the New Testament, what I find is an outpouring. No trickles. It's like the water faucets of heaven were open upon the church. And it's forever. When I think of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I think, of course, of Pentecost. That's the day the church got baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's the day the apostles were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit had been with them forever. Or since they believed. But now on the day of Pentecost, something happened. The whole place shook up. They were in prayer. They were in expectation. They were together in one accord. And the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And they started speaking in tongues and prophesying and going out and praying for people. And healings happened and miracles occurred. And all sorts of things started happening from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the world. That's what happened when Jesus poured the Spirit upon the church. I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit are the numerous other baptisms that occurred in the Holy Spirit through the book of Acts. Whenever the apostles prayed for others, others received the Holy Spirit. 
Things began to happen in people's life. The whole church of the Corinthians was filled with the Spirit and all sorts of manifestations were going on in that church. Sure, they needed correction. They were not always doing things right. But they were surely moving from what we read in letters, Paul's, in, in Paul's letters. They were moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, they had experienced their own Pentecost moment. And I believe from experience that there are many Pentecost moments that we can experience in our own life when the Holy Spirit comes upon us in special, supernatural, powerful moments that may or may have nothing to do with water baptism. I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that moment when a believer is filled with the presence of God in supernatural ways. And fire comes upon you in many ways. A fire that wakens you up in such a way that you'll never be the same. That you have to go out and serve. You have to go out and minister. You have to go out and test what the Lord promised would happen when you pray. And you have to believe and your faith goes in overdrive. And the Spirit of God is moving inside of you. And gifts are being given. And you are being equipped. And you're being sent. And when you used to say, no, I don't think so. Now you're saying, yes, I will. Because the power of the living God moves in a person's life. I'm not talking charismatic movement. I'm not talking Pentecostal moving movement. I'm talking Word of God. Is this what the Word of God teaches us? There is water baptism and there is Holy Spirit baptism. And they're not the same. That's what I read in John. I baptize with water, but He will baptize with Holy Spirit. I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that moment in our lives when either God supernaturally moves in, even without us asking. And I've seen it happen. I've seen people know they have a problem and come to church and kneel in a pew. And before you know it, they're, they're being hit by the Holy Spirit and the Lord is all over them. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen when I pray for people and they get baptized with the Holy Spirit. I've seen it happen in so many different ways. But I have seen it happen and I can tell you my own personal testimony. I will not do it today because it takes a while. But I can tell you that the day the Lord moved into my life in a supernatural way, I was transformed beyond what I had learned in seminary. I was transformed. I was so transformed I can't even remember who I was before. I don't want to be who I was before. It is the spirit of the living God. And that is not done by me or by anyone else. That is the grace of God poured upon us. I baptized with water. John was clear. He wasn't the Holy Spirit baptizer. He was the water baptizer. But he who comes after me, whose sandals I am not even worthy to untie, he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. The Word of God says this, that if you ask the Father for His Spirit, He will give Him to you. 
That's what Luke says it. If a good father will give to his children the best that they have for them, how much more will your father in heaven give you his spirit if you ask him? That's how Jesus puts it in Luke. So if you want to experience this baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm not calling you to be Pentecostal. Listen, I don't care what you call it. It's not about labeling it. It's about receiving all that God wants from you, for you. It is about His desire to move into your life. So I want to say to you, open your heart to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That we may be all that God wants us to be. That we can come under His control totally. That we can do all the things He promises us that we could do. Whatever we ask in His name. You realize how much power is available to us? Have you thought about that? All the power of the divinity is available to us when we pray in the name of Jesus. You realize that? You realize that God Almighty hears your prayers? That the Almighty supernatural Lord of the universe that no one can be equal to is on your side? That His Holy Spirit dwells in you? You can't have more power than that. So let the Holy Spirit come. And ask the Father. Father, baptize me with your Spirit. Give me everything that you want to give me. I am just a servant. Use me. Empower me. Equip me. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. You hear me? You get it? Yes. Or do I start over again? <laughs> Stand with me, please.